0: Hey everyone, it's me, Sean Capri. I'm in my car, and you're listening to the most horsepowerful podcast on the internet. It's the Xbox Drive. I'm on a Skype call with my friend Luke Lore, the insipid Ghost, and I just forgot to change lanes with a turning signal, but it's okay. I'm in a construction zone, but my car was beeping to warn me. Luke, we should talk about Gears 5 and bloody hockey of some sort. So turn that dial in, and let's all jump in to the Xbox Drive. Ball! Oh. Greater
1: than X. Hello, Sean Capri. Uh, hi, Luke Lore. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. I'm fresh off a week of being at home on vacation and playing a crap load of games, which has been amazing and also a touch confusing.
0: I'm sure a little bit uh, out of your, your element, your day-to-day. I, I do have to ask, do teachers... Um... Do, do you ever work or do you just play video games on stream all the time?
1: Play video games on stream. That's what Definitely. we do. Yep. Yeah. That's why the American uh, education system is suffering. That's true. But no, it's weird because this is like my I've just now, thanks to the decline of E3 hype and excitement and when I, I've gotten into the new normal. Yeah. for My summer. And it, it, it's it's strange. I'm like, what do I do with all this time? And then, like, suddenly the day is gone because I've done X, Y and Z. It's crazy. dude
0: it's awesome I, I love um, jumping into your streams because in a single morning you'll get more done you know on a gaming sense than I can get done in a week and I'm so jealous I'll live vicariously through you forever uh, but you I watch you go from like from apex to rainbow 6 to a whole bunch of games mm-hmm. you're playing so much dude and I absolutely love it over at mixer.com slash insipid ghost it uh, seems like you're having a great summer already my friend
1: I'm having a good time. I've been playing Metro Exodus, Rainbow Six, as you mentioned. Of course, Apex is in there and uh, making headway through the messenger. I've been having a ton Ooh. of fun and it's been it's been wild. Let's um, can we talk about the messenger first? That's the game that you and I both played.
0: The messenger. Thank God for you, because you mentioned it was available on Game Pass for PC. And I almost mm-hmm. bought it for Switch, man. So mm-hmm. I downloaded this on my PC, playing it with my Elite controller, and times are fun with this game. It's it's hard
1: as heck, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on it. It is hard. So this is a 2D, uh, 16-bit-esque platform action game in the vein of Ninja Gaiden. Um, I'm really liking it. It's clearly yeah. made in a very high quality. It's got a lot of breaking the fourth wall uh, jokes, which I enjoy. But you talk about difficulty, not a new topic in the world of gaming for sure, but what saves it is something that you and I often praise. Uh, quick restarts. Quick restarts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Quick restarts. And man, is that a saving grace. Because anytime I die, I'm just like, oh, a, and we're going. All mm-hmm. right.
0: Yeah, but it's almost like it—it uh, it is quick restarts. But it normally when I when I think about games like that where they're 2D platformers that are difficult with a quick restart, it seems like there there's not too much punishment in terms of mm-hmm. dying. But mm-hmm. there's there's kind of a hefty toll to pay. You got this little floaty guy hanging around you, and he seems mm-hmm. to take a bunch of your cash that you're mm-hmm. you're earning once you restart the first sort of like. The first batch of money that you collect goes to him until you mm-hmm. pay your due, and then you're mm-hmm. back uh, collecting money to upgrade your guy and buy new new items and weapons and and things at the at the shops that are sort of hidden in the levels. Uh,
1: and I like the upgrade trees because yeah. you can reduce the amount that you pay to your floaty demon-looking dude. Who st- he basically he's like a time genie. He stops you from dying. He actually stops you like a, a microsecond before you die and brings you back.
0: Yeah, I love that uh, lore like a, of like, yeah. like you never actually die. He saves yeah. you. Um, which I mean, like, yeah, it kind of kind of reminds you that this is a
1: game, but it's not really. This is a, this is a story of a ninja guy, a messenger guy uh, who and never the, dies. And the, the 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 entities that you're going to see in the Tower of Time, like they're excited to do the thing. Have you gotten to the Tower of Time yet? No, I'm not. I'm not terribly far. So I'm glad
0: that you were playing this as well. As we can kind of tackle this together but um i'm i'm intrigued because i've seen screenshots where like art style changes i'm not sure if you've got is that kind of what you're referencing it's not really a spoiler to say
1: no i've heard that as well i've not gotten to that point but i have gotten to a part where and this is not going to spoil any experience for you just to know that like the characters are well aware that they're uh that they're campy in a certain way because like they'll be talking to one another and like is it time for us to do the thing can we do the thing is it time to do the thing not yet. We haven't. Done, we can't do the thing yet. And they'll say the thing. And and it's just there's some clever writing in a game that's more about action and, and platforming. And I, I appreciate that.
0: Very cool, man. I love the the jumping mechanic of you can jump. You hit an enemy or like an item, like um like a lamp or something. You can hit that, and then you you refresh your jumps. You can you can double jump. And you can start mm-hmm. to swing things together, almost like a Spider Man without the web, um, mm-hmm. which is really cool, man. It's really rewarding to be able to string that together. And it seems. Mm-hmm. You just feel like a pro once you start. Once that starts
1: to click. Um, so I can't wait to get back to more of the messenger. I, do t- I, I agree, and it's funny because this game was once exclusive, and it's joined the many, many games this generation that launched exclusively and then kind of made their way to other places, and now I'm using an Xbox controller to play it, and mm-hmm. I didn't pay for it. Or Can I or be rather honest? I paid- I'm really mm-hmm. hoping for more uh, on the
0: Devolver end of things. I know Devolver has been pretty much everywhere except for Xbox. They have been on mm-hmm. PC a lot, and I'm sort of hoping for... Uh, Xbox Game Pass for PC to accomplish that for me. A lot of games Mm -hmm. that didn't really make their way over to console, hopefully I can play still within this ecosystem.
1: And Devolver is uh, typically very aligned with PlayStation 4, so it'd be interesting to see if Game Pass for PC opens up kind of corridors and avenues to new relationships with people that are traditionally in one place and moving them kind of over into this ecosystem because that's absolutely what this is becoming is an ecosystem it's not Mm -hmm. just console or mobile or pc it's it's all of the above which i mean xbox astutely and a bit you know sillily said uh in their e3 presentation like for scarlet it's it's all of the above now yeah That's that's a fascinating bit. Um, That's one of the games we'll be playing, and we're going to be tying into a couple other things later on. I do want to talk about some of the breaking news that's occurred of late. Microsoft has cut internal original content creators and producers that work on the inside Xbox programming and also some of the Mixer original programming. Uh, Sean, we're seeing this kind of industry-wide for years now, the the trimming down and scaling up, scaling back of different content. It looks like Microsoft is going to lean more heavily on... Kind of, it, it, it's it's uh, user based to create content on Mixer and streaming services as they back off either inside Xbox production or just original content in general.
0: Yeah, it does seem you know we've been watching Inside Xbox pretty much since it since it started and it mm-hmm. but it did seem like they just never really found that groove or that rhythm and they had a couple of flashes where things went really really well but I don't know man it just never really seemed to click into a groove so I guess it's um, it of course. Um, really devastating when people lose their jobs and, and their livelihood mm-hmm. and have to go and find something else but um man from a from a message delivery standpoint I, I and selfishly i'm a little excited to see what they come up with next they still have to fill that gap and I, I just hope that it's done a little bit more streamlined a little bit more punchy because i feel like
1: the competition's maybe doing that a little bit better from the punchiness standpoint and to make sure that all listeners uh, understand, the inside Xbox cuts were quietly done over the course of time uh, prior to E3 and then kind of moving forward. We've kind of come seen some of it come to light over the uh, past few weeks. Uh, we also saw kind of more high profile people like uh, Kate Yeager uh, on the Mixer side uh, depart. But do not take this as a direct omen that Mixer is not doing well. In fact, uh, they've made, made it very clear that Mixer is doing just fine um, mm-hmm. and is still creating content, but also... Uh, It's just a shift in priorities uh, and a shift in the way they do things. I think Inside Xbox is a good example of something that was very clearly had an intent that never really resonated with the audience. They couldn't quite get it right uh, amidst, you know, state of plays from PlayStation and Nintendo Direct, which have been going since 2012. Uh, Inside Xbox never really found its footing. And we're seeing these uh, Game Pass, uh, Inside Xbox Game Pass showcases come up and, uh, I need Xbox Game Pass showcase, but we're seeing those kind of take place. Mixer is still doing just fine, and that was some. That was kind of my first reaction. I was like, "Is Mixer going away? It's not, not at all. It's it's doing just fine."
0: Oh yeah, I, it's funny. I don't even think that i I look at Mixer. I mean, when it first came out, I'm like, or even Beam when it was before Mixer, it was called Beam. Um, yep. Looking at that going like, is this thing going to be a thing? Like, We've seen a lot of initiatives from Microsoft be put forward and then sort of abandoned. A lot of the Mm -hmm. same attitude being applied to Google at this point with Stadia. uh, Mm -hmm. A lot of the projects that they've had come and go. I don't feel the same way about Mixer. And I'm not sure if I'm just being completely biased here because... Your streamer on Mixer, our, our friend Chris Berta, we have a lot of friends who are over on Mixer. Like it seems validated at this point and secure in, in its existence. And mm-hmm. part of that, I think, has been its uh, integration with Xbox, of course, but mm-hmm. also it's leading the way in terms of that faster-than-light uh, latency and a lot of features, co-streaming, a lot of mm-hmm. really friendly features that, frankly, the other the other platforms have not locked in on yet. I think that helps them stay relevant, stay in that conversation. So I'm glad to see that for Mixer.
1: Same. Same, I and mean, I'm very curious to see how uh, the integrated streaming platforms, whether it's Mixer, or Twitch, or, or YouTube, uh, how they play into Scarlet's approach. Yeah. I'm curious what will come of that uh, in future because I think it was a big boon that Mixer was integrated into all of them and suddenly you could just go watch your friend stream from your console or stream immediately, just a broadcast button right there. I mean, that's the share button was so powerful on the DualShock oh, 4. Yeah. Uh, seeing how Scarlet handles those things, and I feel like we've gotten an early look at... You know what a Scarlet controller could look like, and that we've seen the Elite Two is coming out this year, and will absolutely work on your your next gen Scarlet console. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the design can't be changing that much, given that forward and backward compatibility are so important. Where or what do you do with a share button?
0: Yeah, I'd love to see. It. I mean, the share button it was originally baked into the Kinect, right? So it's. Uh, but I was surprised to see that they never really did anything mid gen, especially with an opportunity like the Xbox One X. They could have. Mm-hmm. Done, they could have made a revision similar to the revision that they did with the audio jack, where mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning of the gen it was that proprietary connector, whereas now it's mm-hmm. a three point five millimeter. Uh, I'm also heading into a thunderstorm right now, Luke. I don't know if you can hear that. There's. I can. S- is that rain? That is rain. <laughs> this might be a first for the Xbox Drive. This is a. This is pretty significant. It actually reminds me of some of the lightning that we saw in Gears Four uh,
1: in a recent play session. <laughs> Well, I'm going to trust you to make good decisions if you need to pull over and if we need to stop the show. Your safety is uh, at the utmost of my concerns. Uh, but while I'm you're grounded. making that life and death decision, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and tell you <laughs> uh, that Gears of War has been in the news of late, not just because you and I played it, oddly enough, but Rod Ferguson has been at work talking about Gears 5. Uh, and Gears of War 5 has been unique to you and I because we got to play it at E3, yeah. but a lot of the... the uh, the atmosphere surrounding that game uh, was was kind of uh, misconstrued in that when they had their six minutes on stage they didn't show a whole lot of gameplay right Uh, they didn't show a whole lot that that left audiences impacted with its new Gears of War 5 style gameplay they talked about escape and not really horde mode not really campaign uh, not really multiplayer competitive Uh, and yet you and I left having played it and knowing those things were okay and we uh, Ryan McCaffrey over at uh, Podcast Unlocked for IGN had Rod Ferguson on and they discussed kind of the impact of those six minutes being dedicated to Gears of War 5 escape versus uh, showing those other aspects of the game. And it's really interesting how those time those time slots allotted to a certain topic can change the narrative. Gears of War 5 seems to be in a very good place with a healthy uh, campaign, with the, the, the user-generated content for... Escape mode seems to be good. Horde mode seems to be intact. And yet everybody seems concerned because they've not seen gameplay. And I think that's an interesting narrative to watch.
0: Well, the the sources of confidence and and who holds the confidence is really interesting at this point where the, the, the player base does not have the confidence because they've not been shown why they should have it. Um, not mm-hmm. necessarily that there's really any distrust, but there is a ton of confidence on the gear side, on the development team side, because there's a very clear plan from their, from their perspective. And I found it fascinating to listen to um, the coalition sort of lay out. Here's the order in which we're going to roll out the messaging. Right now, we're focusing on escape. We're going to talk about verses coming up pretty soon, and then the mm-hmm. campaign is kind of last. So, from their perspective, they're good. But mm-hmm. I also f- I couldn't help but think about how like. The road to hell is laid is is paved with good intentions where mm-hmm. this is a very calculated marketing effort where they're talking about one message first then the next then the next and mm-hmm. is it connecting with audiences we won't know until the game launches, but man, I just couldn't help but like you really double down on laying up the schedule and like we decided that we're talking about this then this then this mm-hmm. and it just seemed I love rod like I just felt like that seemed a little tone deaf in that um it was it was essentially just laying out the corporate marketing plan, and it just seemed very triple A, um, very big budget gamey, and not necessarily like that um, gamer level communication that maybe we've come to expect from these personalities who we think are so relatable.
1: What I did want to point out is that it's very it's very much a, a mix of old and new school approaches to communicating with their gamers because they made a conscious decision to announce three Gears of War games in right. Gears Pop, Gears Tactics, and Gears 5, and then kind of go media dark. And this is something Ferguson addressed uh, when he was on Unlocked. He talked about going media dark, but then regenerating the hype at this year's E3. And they're going to find ways to stay in that news cycle by way of betas and uh, you know showing the multiplayer content at a certain time. And then, as you said, a horde mode will come down the line and competitive down the line. They're going to stay in that news cycle. The question will be... Will players be sick of it come September uh, or will they be excited and hyped up? Similarly speaking, you know, there's a lot of ways to access Gears of War by way of Game Pass, Game Pass Ultimate. uh, With those alphas and and getting the the game early in different platforms or different uh, methods of purchase. So there's a lot of ways for players to burn out on Gears, Mm -hmm. but also get super excited given that they they permeate multiple platforms and multiple mediums.
0: I, I I do I, I think I'm sounding really down on that marketing plan. I do feel that they're gonna generate enough hype for this to be a success, and I am encouraged, maybe as a fanboy, that they've got something here and they're not really trying to overcompensate in what they're delivering. So mm-hmm. I can't wait to learn more. I'm obviously in on gears five from day one. This storm is crazy, Luke Lore. So uh why don't we uh why don't we carry on? I'll let you do the talk and let the noise reduction do its work on my end.
1: Uh, as we talk about Gears uh, and the message that we got from from Ferguson and from uh, the impact of having a six-minute segment on stage at E3 kind of overshadow all the time that content uh, creators and, and journalists had with the game. As that overshadows, it's very clear that the messaging of the time you get on that main stage is important. And Respawn actually ran into their own issues with this when they showed Jedi Fallen Order gameplay uh, and actually found that people weren't, taking away from the demo that they showed what they wanted those gamers to see. And so they ad- they addressed this by releasing an extended gameplay version, uh, showing some of the more, for lack of a better term, Metroidvania aspects and a little bit more of a deep dive into the combat system- systems, which are, are suggesting to gamers that uh, Fallen Order is a far deeper game than just an uncharted Star Wars.
0: Well, this is, this speaks to the other side of the Gears conversation, where maybe this is what we've been kind of um, conditioning publishers to show us uh, mm-hmm. where where gears didn't show much gameplay and we're we're kind of filling in the gaps in our mind and maybe there's some some weirdness going on there and then we get gameplay on respawn side and people aren't happy there and it's it's a wonder that they do or show anything like man I feel I really feel for uh, for publishers and the marketing crews around these because it just seems like nobody's ever happy mm-hmm. I was blown away from the first sight of this game I'm just gonna maybe lead the charge on the hype train on mm-hmm. uh, on this Respawn game because I think it looks great. I don't know what everybody else was kind of expecting. It's just amazing that we're shown a thing, and then we just find ways to tear it down, tear it apart. Um, maybe it's an EA thing. Maybe it's a Star Wars thing. Also, just video game negativity. But mm-hmm. damn it, dude, I'm, I'm really sad uh, from the reaction. But at the same time, um, talking about the very calculated marketing approach, For Gears maybe that's the right approach maybe this one isn't as calculated as it should have been and there's been some missteps in terms of what is this game and what can we expect from it
1: goodness gracious we continue to come back to the idea of messaging being so important here in that respawn seems to have missed the mark Gears has made a conscious effort to approach with a certain message uh and that happens when you take over a franchise I mean you think the coalition took over Gears from from Epic uh to to have respawn step in and take Star Wars uh, on its back, and it could be the EA uh, aspects them coming off of, of something like Anthem, but then of course Apex is performing incredibly well. Uh, that the messaging and the communication is just absolutely pivotal in a generation now where everybody is tuned in and can form an opinion from opening twitter looking for two or three seconds and then scrolling right along their opinion is made said and done no kidding that messaging is so important to use your time and shoot your shot when it matters most
0: yeah well keep an eye on and a positive
1: eye on um jedi fallen order so we'll we'll see man We will see indeed. And I'm curious to see how EA reacts to its reception, given that Battlefront 2 wasn't received as well as they had hoped. Um, And kind of in the wake of that, the EA executives, they gave up their performance bonuses for 2019 um, because of quite a few things that were occurring and then not hitting profit margins that they wanted to. Anthem is kind of the strongest example of kind of losing player base and player faith. Um, But alongside that, you do see FIFA and Apex doing just fine.
0: Yeah. And I, I wanted to include this story as a bit of a highlight. Like, I, I guess I have a bit of a sensitivity to the dogpiling on EA and I, I really hate it. I really hate dogpiling in general, particularly Mm -hmm. on the internet and particularly with video games where we should be celebrating these things. But, um, but, uh, I just wanted to highlight that they, you know, with all the talk about crunch and people being overworked and underpaid, I think this was, this is a good message for EA and for whatever it's worth. I think it's worth spotlighting and, and shoutcasting a little bit as I, Dude, now i've got hail luke i have hail landing on my car now
1: i need you to stop describing the hazardous conditions in which you are driving <laughs> am i freaking me out a little blood bit pres- yeah yeah do you, yeah, you get more? hail
0: in in north carolina
1: yes we do yes uh. we do. here's a fun inside baseball for you guys after we uh had our time uh, in <laughs> la together we decided to talk about weather because yeah. that's what friends do yeah and i would send sean a screenshot uh, well, no. He sent me a screenshot telling me how it was hot and it was like eighty where he was. I sent him one back. Feels like a hundred and nine where yeah. I live, and I was just like, "No, it's not." I also always have to convert my
0: temperature to Fahrenheit. I did, you know, if I sent you Celsius, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't, wouldn't
1: make any sense to you. The iron. I can hardly hear myself think. This is insane. Well, you focus on the road, and I will con- continue talking about uh, <laughs> any number of things here sure, on this list. Interesting that ID at Xbox will be uh, having its Game Pass showcase on the day that this episode launches, so you won't hear any content from that uh, from us, but by the time this episode is live, it's likely that you'll be able to, t- to go and uh, check out the VOD for that. It's going to talk about a number of ID at Xbox games that include uh, deep dives into the Blair Witch uh, game that we saw at E3, which I think many people were rather excitedly high on. I thought that that Blair Witch announcement came as a surprise given the franchise name, but the gameplay, it looked intriguing if nothing else.
0: I'm so glad that people continue to hold Blair Witch with high regard because I feel like it's that it's that thing that happened decades ago that... You know, it, it is kind of cheesy the 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 found footage thing is it's become a bit of a trope now, but I think Blair Witch was really revolutionary in the day and uh, a truly terrifying film. And I actually really enjoyed the most recent Blair Witch. So, I'm excited on a number of fronts. I like the franchise, I like the idea behind the Blair Witch um lore, and mm-hmm. this game looks terrifying and we're all going to be able
1: to play it because of Game Pass. We actually got a good question from Famous Seamus himself. He asked us that asked us, "What's your favorite licensed game or or uh, a game that's based on a previous IP that existed in another genre?" You mentioned Blair Witch as, as being one that you're excited for. You liked the franchise. Are there any others that come to mind for you? A couple weeks ago, we talked about some of our
0: favorite sort of like B tier or sixes and sevens, and mm-hmm. we mentioned Quantum of Solace and The Bourne Identity. I think it was or one of the yeah. one of the three games for Bourne. Um, but mm-hmm. man, like my all time favorites are. Actually, the games on like the PC like X-Wing and TIE Fighter, uh, mm-hmm. Rebel Assault,
1: stuff like that. Oh, yeah. From back in oh, the day. Oh, those were good. Yeah, man. I feel like a broken record, I'll always talk about the Arkham series. I really liked Ultimate Alliance 1 when oh, it hit. Oh, yeah, man. Remember when it hit? Like, now it doesn't age as well because we've seen better examples of that gameplay. But when that hit and seeing all your heroes kind of together in Ultimate Crossover was really neat um and then just as a recent example of a, a franchise i've always liked the mighty Morphin power rangers it's just like a silly like fun <laughs> you know retrospective i like the battle for the grid game that was a good time i love game, that that's a thing about you Luke <laughs> yeah, so loves
0: power rangers if everybody could reply to the tweet of this episode with uh, some great power rangers gifts that would make me smile
1: oh it's some rough stuff man oh good, boy, good times Oh, indeed. Um, one of the things that I also wanted to talk about, I've been playing Metro Exodus, Sean. And that's oh, That's yeah. a game that's on Game Pass. I would missed it at launch. I was super excited. I was one of the people that cheered when we saw it being announced that it was going to be live into Game Pass. I was ecstatic. Um, this is a very slow paced first person shooter. Yeah. And it's very much at odds with what you might think it is at first. If you if you're not familiar with the Metro series, um, they sometimes dabble in the su- supernatural, but it's very bleak post-apocalyptic post-nuclear war uh surviving underground and and in the metro series with a very russian tone because it's based on a russian book Mm -hmm. Uh, but the the aspect of exodus that was supposed to be so impactful is that you are leaving russia and you're on a train and traveling into new environments and i was startled when i went into this experience sean at the atmosphere that it creates now i know you had a you played it for a bit. You rented it from the library, yes?
0: Yeah, I did not love this game, so I'm curious to see the journey that you've been on it. But um, I'll echo some thoughts uh, thoughts that I recently heard on a PSVG podcast that the voice acting I just couldn't get behind it, man. Some of the dialogue mm-hmm. and some of the delivery just, yeesh. Sure, little, little, little not and good. I would
1: I would argue that that's a trope of Metro. If you're unfamiliar with the previous games, but the reason I bring this up is you and I often go on journeys with games. We talk Mm -hmm. about you know where we are in life and how that impacts our gaming time and what it is. And I can tell you with 100% confidence that had I played this at launch when I was in the midst of my school year and work was was packed and it was in the middle of that February, March window of all the games, had I played it then, Sean, I would have put it down very quickly and I would have echoed a lot of the sentiments that you've shown. But in having time to sit, And to immerse myself into the world, it's very slow-paced. You are meant to to go very slowly and listen to the characters talk about their struggles. You are meant to explore the world slowly, craft your weapons. Um, And I'm going to parlay this into a, a hardware conversation in a minute. But I have found this game to be brilliantly magnificent at creating atmosphere if you allow it to Hmm. and if you're going in there for a first-person shooter like call of duty-esque experience you will be supremely disappointed the pace of this game is slow and it's tactical you're meant to approach situations uh in in multiple ways and the, the game gives you options at different points and you can have dialogue and develop uh do side quests you can go and you can choose dialogue options at various points uh it's a I think a very very good game for someone who has the time to invest into it. Hmm. But if you're there for a quick quick happiness, it's not there for you.
0: Quick happiness is not to be found. It's a it's interesting because what a courageous direction. Because you do expect a certain thing, a certain experience when you fire up a a first person shooter like that. And for them mm-hmm. to go in a different direction, I I do applaud them. Um, but man, it, it, I guess it's sort of. Why would you buy these games day one? I guess is what I'm getting around to. They just okay. So think- hold on, but
1: when you you say these games, the which, Metro what, games, what are you- the Metro games. I mean, oh, okay, got gotcha, you. Kind gotcha, of the okay.
0: series is in general. Like I just every time one of these things seems to release, they're on sale so quickly or included for free with uh, games with gold or now with Game Pass and stuff. Um, so it's I guess it's too bad that it doesn't seem like it's found commercial success. Otherwise, I would imagine it would stay um, selling at a high price. But I am glad that more people are able to experience this. And for you to highlight it here, because I I went into it with different expectations for sure, and I perhaps could have given it a little bit more time. But mm-hmm. man, it was so, we're, as you say, we are spoiled for choice. And mm-hmm. uh, I bounced off that one pretty quick.
1: I think it's a wonderful addition to Game Pass because for those with the time to, to invest into it, there's a lot to be had. Yeah, uh, It certainly is a visual so- showcase. I'm playing it on Xbox One X. And the environments are incredibly beautiful. The sunsets, the god rays, the reflections off the snow, and, and, and the environmental crafting that was uh, put into it. But I, I bring this up not just to talk about the gameplay, but you and I were very fortunate to receive uh, a wonderfully powerful headsets from FanFest. Rig 800LXs yes. uh, um, from Plantron- from Plantronics. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they incorporate the Dolby Atmos software, the spatial surround sound that, that uh, Xbox One X excels at having. And we've talked about sound. Mark Cerny's talked about sound in PS5. Uh, sound design is going to be something that's, that's major into Scarlett's next gen. Xbox One X has spatial audio. I was using a good pair of headsets, having never experienced Dolby Atmos before, because to me, sound is sound. I was like, oh, if you turn something up if you want it louder. Like, right. that's, that's how it works. But this game, Metro Exodus specifically, was designed with these things in mind, and it was incredible to have all the lights off in the room and hold my controller and to hear something ping, like water dripping on the right side, and then a monster literally run around me, and, and then the headset incorporate that and factor it in with the appropriate echoes of metal clanging. And there were multiple times, and I put some clips up on Twitter, where I leapt out of my seat Or I jumped back because Mm -hmm. not only did something come at me on screen, but it appropriately, uh, the acoustics were appropriate to what was going on. And I was shocked at what I had been missing in neglecting audio as something kind of going forward because I just I didn't have the money or I didn't want to, to appropriate the money towards that aspect
0: it's it's a tough sell man it's tough to like describe to somebody why it's worth spending a little extra cash on like and actually taking money away from maybe a game or or maybe something a little bit more immediately apparent like uh, like a new screen and we're talking about display you have to uh, divert funds away from those more immediate things to audio and mm-hmm. i always love listening to people discover this oh snap I had no idea, and I imagine our good friend Nathan Thomas over at the Xbox, say to the Xbox Empire, uh, is smiling gr- uh, greatly right now because him and I share a love for for audio, and to hear you kind of discover this new is is awesome. A good headset goes such a long way. I've been obsessed with uh, video game sound since way back in my PC gaming days when I when I first had a 5.1 setup with these little computer speakers. Um, mm-hmm. It makes a massive difference and it, totally immersive. And now mm-hmm. with the age where I feel like more and more people are getting headsets and uh, mm-hmm. it, this has become more uh, popular rather than uh, for the audiophiles only. Mm-hmm. Um, great audio experiences are available for much less. So this is going to become a more common
1: experience um, as we move forward. And you, you talk about the premium experience in many ways because the, the cost to entry is lower. And in order to have a good headset, uh, you do need to appropriate funds. And this this also goes with the Elite Controller. That I was right above ju-
0: me, that lightning. I'm sorry for interrupting.
1: Go, oh, that's scary. I'm, t- I'm scared for you. We're driving uh, out of the storm. I'm going to talk about lightning and you your games in a minute. Don't yeah. you worry. Um, but I didn't want to say the Elite Controller 2. Last week, I alluded to the fact that I'll probably never... Get an elite controller, um, just or you know, I'd make it some arbitrary, silly stretch goal of, of getting followers on Mixer. Well, it occurred to me, uh, as we upgraded to Game Pass Ultimate, and I was looking at the slate for uh, amazing games that are coming, but also how many amazing games I have and will have access to. And it was, it occurred to me that I'm spending a lot less money on games you because sure of Game Pass. And I decided to go ahead and pre-order that Elite controller 2. We used it at E3. I liked it. It was impressive, having the headset experience of, oh, is this what I was missing? Is this what I was out on? Given that I'm not having to buy Gears Tactics, Gears Five, mm-hmm. uh, Battletoads, I don't know, any any of the I'm other. I'm not games buying Outer Worlds. Out. I know that
0: you, I'm sure you'll try it, but that was a game that I would have paid full price for for day one. I'm stoked about it, but that's another game that's
1: coming into Game Pass. And and what did I say? Forty bucks now, maybe to get met to play Metro or some so many of the other games that I've experienced, I've not had to pay for. I was like, well, yeah, I'm absolutely going to get better hardware uh, now to match it. And it's been, it's strange. I'm using this Steel Series mouse that I had not. That didn't even occur to me. Like, all right, I'll get just like a cheap twenty dollars mouse and and just go. No, I spent a decent like I spent fifty bucks on a mouse, and it's truly changed the way I'm approaching my freaking laptop. Well, Luke, somebody gave us some wise words while we were at FanFest. If you don't treat yourself, you cheat yourself, my friend. Oh, my goodness. If oh, you don't no. treat yourself, you cheat yourself. <laughs> oh, man. At some point, guys, when the news dies down, I will tell you the story of that freaking backpack <laughs> and how <laughs> I got cheated out of $50. Oh, man. we ooh, ooh. That's a story for another day. But, guys, that is going to exist in the pantheon of background stories. I'll tell mm-hmm. it to you guys sometime. Um, but yeah, I did end up pre-ordering that Elite too, and it's just it's fascinating. The good tech versus affordable tech is a struggle that a lot of gamers have, and I'm curious how Game Pass will factor in going into next gen because Phil Spencer has abs- absolutely talked about where console sales matter in being yeah. successful. Uh, there, you know, versus software and services, we've certainly seen this generation that PlayStation Four is outsold by a ratio, of, I, I believe, two to one at this point. PlayStation Four is outsold Xbox. And I had a great conversation with one of the Dual Shockers, uh, Mike Long, on Twitter, about, yeah, Xbox has seemingly lost, and I think it's fair to say they've, they've quote lost this generation. But if this is what losing's like, like man, they're thriving mm-hmm. right now yeah. because of their focus on on services and building. They've added a number of studios, Game Pass is there, Games of Gold is is evolving, Xbox Live is changing. It certainly is an impressive state, and Spencer Tom talked about this.
0: Well, if I may, Lucan, to bring it down to your experience, the Game Pass and the way that it, it reallocates our, our funds that we kinda save for for gaming, um, it actually has like this double down effect where it, the intent is to make sure that you're not playing anywhere else, that you're locked in on this ecosystem because you have mm-hmm. access to all these games. So that's one mm-hmm. impact. And then the other impact is once you're there, now you start buying into all the accessories, your elite controller. Like mm-hmm. it's this it's just compounding. Uh, effect that I think is fascinating when I look at it from like a marketing perspective, and how mm-hmm. it adjusts your behavior. So I think it's great. Uh, it, it's, it is going to be interesting because yes, I think Phil Spencer is talking about great things and and educating the uh, the general population, I guess, and gamers as to mm-hmm. what they're looking at towards success. And I agree that we're we're beyond the days of counting how many consoles. Are uh, are sold, but I can't help but think about the third party arrangements that are still based on things like um, how many consoles are sold. Like mm-hmm. it's more than just uh, it's it's more. Th- I don't think any gamer is going oh man, my system is better because it sold 90 million units and yours only sold 35 million units. It's well, what comes along happens. with that. I'm sure, but it's not a very evolved one. I think a more evolved one is, well, because there are more players over here, um, you get things like exclusivity, Um or, or special deals that entice even more players to uh, play on that ecosystem. So, like, what, did, what happened with Batman on PlayStation 4? What, what did Bungie do because there were more uh, systems being sold or a more player-friendly um, atmosphere on, on PlayStation? I'm more interested to see kind of what happens in the next generation with third-party stuff than mm-hmm. first-party deals because uh, I'm in agreement with Phil on those elements. But there's more to it than that, I guess.
1: There is, and there is something interesting also in that Ubisoft, uh, EA, Activision; those are kind of your major third-party heavy hitters. Um, but then you've got the people that make Metro. You've got de- uh, Deep Silver. You've got Platinum, and you've got so many others that are, are good, very good developer studios in their own right, but maybe not not a major umbrella. Mm-hmm. Are they're not Activision and Ubisoft, and they're EA; they're not entering into game pace. Uh, Game Pass territory, and that's an interesting thing. We have rumors of their own subscription service popping up here and there to accompany EA Access, um, and we've often trumped how EA Access is, is a great service as well. It'll be interesting to see where those games land and how those relationships continue, because as you said, you know, if it's about units sold, then well, of course you would give exclusive content or or maybe that would sway your decision, but you know attach rate, money spent in game. I'm curious to see how right. much Xbox gamers are spending on Destiny 2 with with Google Stadia's announcement and their partnership and what their the amount of investment they'll have versus PlayStation and PC and epics Game Store and all the various ways to approach, well, you play the messenger on Xbox. You played it on your PC, but you played it on Xbox, that umbrella. Mm -hmm. And that that is going to be one of the major talking points, I think, going forward into Scarlet.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it literally, I, I don't think I'll ever forget this example of redirecting my money. I was just about to spend it on the Nintendo eShop to play on my Switch until you mentioned it was there. So it takes—it—it it almost literally takes money out of Nintendo's pocket and right into and and make sure that uh, it's even more challenging for the other platforms to make a compelling case for the
1: value proposition on their platform. So very interesting times, man. Indeed, indeed let's transition and shift a bit uh you and i have had a a, a wonderful week of of playing we've been streaming and fundraising with friends and we had a good uh we had a really great experience uh last night from the night of we're recording now uh playing gears of war four and i want you to tell me tell me and the listeners what that was like for you what your plan was versus Mm -hmm. how it changed and then how we ended up having two hours of ridiculousness.
0: Man, and the two hours flew by absolutely. Uh so you and I are doing this awesome thing. We're partnering with a number of our friends on stream, uh, and we're helping to raise money for a good friend Chris Birdo's wife, uh, who's going for uh some preventative surgery um to make sure that cancer does, we're we're saying that we're raising money uh, for cancer to not happen or to go you away. Mean. Right? You <laughs> you know, like drive that? me nuts whenever you do. Isn't that, that? amazing? We're raising money for cancer. To not happen. Um, yeah, some
1: expensive surgery to, to help the family there, and we want to For help. sure. For sure. So, very cool stuff. Uh, my plan
0: was to have my first fundraising stream be, uh, maybe play a little bit of, maybe some Apex, maybe even mm-hmm. some Layers of Fear too, because who doesn't love a good, scary stream? Um, but mm-hmm. I messaged you and said, like, should we play Apex? And you had a couple, you had a, a few too many people in your current party, so you had other, mm-hmm. you had other plans.
1: Well yeah we I was playing with my buddy hometown hero and Mr Babbitt been What's up, and it's, Mr. Babbitt and I have been streaming a lot of those streams together. He's been joining me and helping me fundraise because a conversation can really help a stream, right? Yeah um, and so we've been, we've been doing a lot of that, but we were we had a full party on Apex, and we yep. knew our friends uh, Antonio Guillen w- w- was online as well, and I was just like, man. What can we play that all of us can kind of join together? Because we'd all, I don't know if you knew this, we'd all had Twitch up and ready. We'd watch Garrett Bland stream while we were gaming. We were going to watch you stream your stream and uh, support you. And, and seeing your text, I was like, what can we all play? Gears 4. Yeah, man. And so we loaded up Gears 4. We got an achievement for loading Gears 4, which is kind of cool. Right. Well, and I feel like we did we
0: always do this thing you and I where you're like, let's play Gears. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And you're like you automatically assume that you were putting me out of place or like be um <laughs> you're taking over in some way and I'm like, I Luke, I need to be clear. I am stoked to play Gears and we have a full party of 5. Let's get in some to some horde mode. And mm-hmm. holy crap, man, if that didn't completely reignite my my hype fire for uh for Gears 5. I have you know, I think that we do this thing in Xbox Land where we kind of write off the um, the exclusives and the first party stuff, the Halos and the Pillars like Gears and and Forza. These are these are really high quality franchises, man. And I don't know if it, like mm-hmm. that sounds silly to an Xbox audience that is like listening or to you, but I was just reminded of how high quality Horde Mode is and how that completely revolutionized and introduced us to a kind of like an endless slew of new multiplayer modes. Because I feel like up until that point. It was basically like Capture the Flag and a whole bunch of different iterations on that. But it totally Mm -hmm. kind of put multiplayer on its head. Um, PvE, very defensive. Uh, We had a lot of things uh, iterate in Gears 2 and 3. So Mm -hmm. I was reminded of all those things. And we spent, I don't know, two and a half hours going through all 50 levels of Horde. We beat Mm -hmm. Horde. We were a great team, even hometown. Was great <laughs> in this game, and um, man, I just had so much fun, and uh, I'm looking forward to Gears Five. Thanks for that great session,
1: dude. It it, 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 thank you, man. It was the first time that I had been with five friends, start to finish in Horde mode. Yeah, you know, and I was four or playing with randos or here and there, you just do one through ten or one through twenty, but start to finish, Horde mode building uh building fortifications picking friends up shouting what are you doing go here unlock this weapon pick this up chainsaw like the the special there's a special sauce that comes with playing a game with friends the right way and Mm -hmm. and just having a good time and we did we did we had all those moments and it really did reignite kind of my love not only for gears which has always been there i mean i have every book all the comics i'm reading I, i love the lore of it but just playing that game, it's so smooth, and it just makes me so excited for Gears Five. Um, I almost don't want all these little alphas and betas that are popping up. I just I want know. The Gears Five to come when it comes because like Gears sold. Four is so good.
0: Yeah, you yeah, I, I'm sold. I I definitely need to play. This is a game that never leaves my hard drive. Just for those moments, like just for that off chance that you have somebody mm-hmm. like Luke Lord hit you up and go, "Hey, man, you want to play Gears?" And um, you know, and we've referenced it this interview a lot with Rod Ferguson. Uh, totally i hate the lightning i think the lightning is stupid i'm not enjoying the lightning that's happening right now but um that's another story <laughs> altogether he um, died so
1: many times I, from it oh my
0: <laughs> oh i learned my lesson let's just be clear i eventually learned my it took it took maybe a little longer than the average bear but i got there um but you know we did mention a couple times that this was a multi-hour session for us this was uh, mm-hmm. to get through all 50 levels of horde is, um, I'd never really thought of it this way, but Rod, Rod Ferguson kind of compared it to a raid in Destiny. Like, you are, you are in it, and you've got to have, like, a committed group of players to be there from, essentially, from start to finish as things get more and more sure. challenging throughout. So, mm-hmm. um, that... Escape mode coming up in Gears 5 is a direct response to that, where not everybody can get a group of five to play for two and a half hours. And mm-hmm. likely even longer, we are playing on casual mode, so it should have taken mm-hmm. us even longer than the more advanced difficulty levels. So escape seems a little bit more nimble. It seems like that quick pick-up-and-play. And then mm-hmm. also new, um, new hives will be available on a regular basis. You sort of dance back and forth between saying regular or even weekly or mm-hmm. even user-generated stuff. So as much as I love Horde, I'm really excited for Escape and the flexibility that comes with that and the accessibility. More and more players will be able to experience um, multiplayer on Gears' side that isn't as uh, um, aggressive, I guess, or intimidating as Versus and not as time-consuming and elitist as Horde.
1: Um, Escape
0: is really neat.
1: You have to point out, you and I are very high on Gears' Escape. I think yeah. a lot of the journalists, everyone that's gone hands-on, seems to be excited about it. It's good, but those those who didn't are very skeptical because it is one of those things you really do need to, to sample. And I think that's kind of the the, the dual messaging problem we go back to. Um, we loved Escape, we loved it, mm-hmm. and we are excited for it. They, the idea that people can make their own maps, as long as you play through them and they're not trolley Mario Maker two ridiculousness, you'll be able to play with your friends and go through uh, that th- those those levels. And so there's a a new life that can be bred in and having it be a service game, but it's an easily accessed one. I mean, you can, if you play it in that first week, uh, you get to have the Terminator content and that means that you don't need to pre-order it. If you have game pass and you're, you're, you're playing game pass ultimate and you're a subscriber, you get to have the Terminator content. Yeah. Fun fact, they didn't know Ubisoft had Terminator stuff too.
0: <laughs> it's oh so
1: fun. God. Oh man. What awkward was that? It was like well, it's oh. got to
0: go the other way around too. They wouldn't have known either, but yeah. It's imagine if it was if that was just the tip of the iceberg, and like every other conference had like yet another Terminator announcement. You just realize this skank that the Terminator franchise has turned into. You're like, hey, I thought you were with me.
1: It's it's like watching Jason Voorhees show up or Freddy show up, like Mortal Kombat character. This mm-hmm. that you know. Yeah. Oh man, we had all right. So we played. We talked a lot about Horde mode. Tell yep. me about some of your other like just in general. Doesn't have to be gear specific. Just. Think about like multiplayer modes that you enjoy. All right, okay. w- what are some of the multiplayer modes you like?
0: Can I tell you, man? Uh, I was late to the game when Gun Game from Call of Duty was uh, put in my lap. I had no yeah. idea this was a thing. Gun Game from Call of Duty, in case people don't realize, is a it's a free for all game, uh, basically like a every man for themselves, and you and you get a different gun as you progress. And actually, um, if I remember correctly, like, you, end a shotgun. you end with shotguns. You end. It
1: depends on the version i think yeah I think. so
0: so as you progress you kill so every time you kill somebody you get it you drop your weapon and you pick up something else and the further mm-hmm. along you get it seems like things get a little bit more challenging uh finishing off with either a knife or a pistol or something like that so you have to mm-hmm. be very skilled um and if you die you are sent back you're backwards in the progression of guns so i think mm-hmm. gun game is like super clever it seems easy enough to really replicate i'm surprised it hasn't um been uh been replicated in other in other games. But I love gun game. How about you, man?
1: I like games that have like co-op objectives with friends. Like I've been playing World War Z a lot. I really love that game. Bad bit and Hometown and I uh, we play a ton of World War Z, Left for Dead style type games. Like yeah. where you have objectives with your your friends and you're to working together. Mm-hmm. But it's not necessarily a campaign with a story. Um or and and I like, you know, you put in your notes Warzone from Halo 5. It reminds me of attrition from Titanfall Two, where yeah. in Titanfall, where you have enemies that are that are human, but also NPC enemies that are easy. Oh my God, no kidding! I like that. I like to be OP, OP and if I'm not the best at killing humans, I like to feel like I've helped.
0: Yeah, you're not, you're not going to have a big old goose egg at the end of it. You at least get some points or some kills at the end of it. And man, Warzone, I, those are great comparisons. Warzone is, uh, I feel like it's so huge and, and killing those uh, NPCs or computer players makes me feel valued and like I'm contributing in one way. But there's so many other, because it's multi-objective and because there's so many different roles that every player can play, I feel mm-hmm. like... If you're just somebody who can kill hundred people in a match, then there's there's that for you, but there's so much else to it and I love Warzone for Halo Five It, it had a bit of a moment, but we've been very much distracted by Battle royale these days, so I'm glad that we're kind of having a chance to talk a little bit about multiplayer modes uh, mm-hmm. beyond battle royale
1: mm-hmm. and battle royales are are great they're the good ones are quite good um and that that I think genre. Maybe saturated is not the right word if we're being objective, but we do feel like we get hit in the face with a lot of information. Like, is this game going to have one? Is this one going to have one? And, you know, you have for every apex or uh, blackout, you have firestorm and that just fades right. phase into the dark darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, some of the better the better uh, shooters, it seems, seem to have great multiplayer modes. But Tetris effect is another That's a battle royale, too.
0: Oh, yeah. Huh? Yeah, how about not that? that uh,
1: Ninety nine. You mentioned
0: right. you mentioned um, Titanfall too. I love bounty hunt. I love um, getting some some cash. so almost like a bounty, uh, mm-hmm. like bounty hunt, um, and then cashing that in and having that opportunity kind of like flip back and forth. I could almost imagine how that in development started to iterate um, because it's not like you can just kill somebody and then cash it in. The opportunity to cash that in it becomes a bit of a risk reward kind of thing. Do you continue to go on for the next kill or do you do you head back to the to the bank and cash it in. I think Bounty Hunt is great and just another one of those things that why aren't more people talking about this, man? It's just the Battle Royale mode has just completely dominated conversation,
1: but I love that mode in Titanfall 2. That's good, stuff. good um, stuff. Take a moment before we get to, to listener questions, I want to give you guys a nice little PSA, a little, a little uh, public service announcement to help any of you that might be saving for next gen or looking towards getting a Scarlet or a PlayStation 5 or both. Uh, the idea being that it, if you plan on getting a new console in November of 2020 uh, or two new consoles, if you want to save up about $1,000, you should start putting away 60 bucks now. And if you're a gamer like me, what's going to happen if you don't start doing that now? You're going to see everybody getting their new shiny shiny, and you're <laughs> going to want that new shiny shiny. And then you're going to make a poor financial choice because you didn't prepare for it. So if you are saving 60 bucks a month, you'll have a, r- a little over $1,000 ready to go holiday 2020. Uh, start doing that now so you can get your whatever it is that you want. There's okay, well PSA well, for you.
0: I'll be the I'll play the fanboy. How about you put away thirty dollars per month and then you can get or maybe even thirty five and you get the Project Scarlet edition. Don't worry about the
1: other console. You know what I'm saying, Luke? Oh, I do, and you know, I'm dead serious. I love that my Xbox One X has Project Scorpio on it. Same I've here. never used the controller; it's mounted. Me on Me neither. My, yeah, I don't it's, touch it's, it. It's yeah, it's hanging up there next to my Hyperkin Duke remake. <laughs> yes, it um, is. They just sit on my sit on my shelf in the background of my little ghost game updates, and I'm like, look at you, and like it's it. just a controller, but I love it. Oh man, I would totally get a Scarlet Edition. <clears throat> All right, let's move. We into- just assume it's happening. I love that. Yeah, like no, happening. no announcement. Yeah,
0: like we're just like we're expecting at this point. House man, we're spoiled brats.
1: We are spoiled brats. It's true. It's true. But we also work hard and we save and we are appropriate about it. In- um, indeed. Yeah. And we're in fortunate positions as well. All right. Let's shift over to some listener questions. This first one comes from Brendan Myers, who has been wonderfully supportive of the fundraiser uh, to prevent cancer that we've been working on. Um, Brendan Myers asks and I like this question. What exclusive <clears throat> exclusive superhero video game would be a, the best fit for Xbox systems? Ooh, Sean. I didn't even give, give an this any ready? thought,
0: man. You got you got to right. inspire me a little bit here.
1: I'm going to I'm going to inspire you and or remove your ability to answer the question. I don't like uh, exclusive games from major franchises that I love. I don't like that Spider-Man was only on one system. I would hate to see the next Arkham be on just one system. Um, but I, the two that I thought of, I tried to think of superheroes that are well known, but not mainstream. And I thought of green arrow or daredevil. And I thought both of those characters are powerful, but not terribly overpowered. You could get some unique abilities or special, cool things in the Spider-Man or Arkham style. It'd be easy to wrap your head around it. Um, and it might raise the profile of those heroes, but it wouldn't be so outrageous that it was exclusive. Like I can't imagine a PlayStation fan, you know, going crazy that they can't play green arrow or daredevil but uh, kind of the way we do it with spider-man
0: green arrow very on brand by the way i love that the green that actually is very next level i don't know if you really consider that
1: i did indeed i also considered daredevil because scarlet oh amazing oh wow <laughs> uh, you like that oh wow well, i was thinking.
0: i was thinking professor x could actually be like this non-combat type of game very heady um decision making and, and it'd be very interesting to go find a team of uh, new mutants around the world I think it would be kind of kind of neat, and of course the X is there. And where is our Wonder Woman game? Can I just say that jumping over to DC a little bit? Where mm-hmm. like man, Wonder Woman kicks ass, dude. I think that would be great. Um, but There's, maybe people would be upset that that one would be exclusive because it's kind of a big deal.
1: Well, you have Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which is almost a Wonder Woman simulator if you put Cassandra. Yeah, actually, um, good point. But a lot of the DC franchises, I don't think lend themselves to video games very well. Um, and I say that as a comic fan. I, I mean, like it's hard to make a Superman game. It's hard to it's hard to portray Superman well. Batman's wonderfully powerful. I mean, that's why you see the Nolan trilogy. That's why you see Batman such a hotly contested topic when he, when it comes up in different mediums. The comics are most successful, mm-hmm. but there's not a lot of heroes within that pantheon that are blanket successful. You know? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's move on to another. Uh, question here this one comes from Mr. Moody Mr. glorious one on Twitter he asks us what we are almost halfway through this year what are so what are your favorite games of 2019 so far Sean I'll let you take this one first
0: Uh, Yeah, I I was looking back through some of the games that I was playing and noticed a ton of indie games. So shout out to Xbox and that team. Uh, Mm Because some of my favorites over there, uh, Black Paradox, I talked about that uh, roguelike side-scrolling space shooter, um, bullet Mm -hmm. hell kind of game, the Shmup. Love that Mm -hmm. game. Love all its style. I also really enjoyed a bit of a real-time strategy game called Undead Horde, which was kind Mm -hmm. of like the Overlord games back in the PS3 and 360 era. Um, Love those games. And then on the bigger game front, the division two definitely up there I feel like it's almost been completely forgotten at this point unless you follow mm-hmm. fran mirabella the third who's playing that uh every now and then and Resident Evil 2 remake man are kind of my favorites
1: oh those are those are good choices we had a blast with uh division two for sure I, know, I we did that on to stream it. together that yeah. was that was good but it is interesting you're right division two not really in the conversation anthem always in the conversation and yeah. I don't know that either one is benefiting or lo- like, like I what's know. the right thing? Is any, mm-hmm. is all news, good news. I don't know that. You know, like, um, but I scrolled through my achievement list. Cause I was like, all right, I don't remember what I played. Cause I think I have <laughs> more time than, than you do to, to, uh, indulge. And I, I'd be remiss not to point out that I've had so much fun with sea of thieves since its anniversary update, just an absolute blast jumping in. I've talked about that on multiple episodes, world war Z of late Anthem and apex. Um, I actually had an interesting conversation with Antonio Gee and the Hypecaster. uh, because he, he said, what's your game of the year? And I it was very similar to this question. And I I was like, I don't know, because the games that I've loved haven't really hit well. Crackdown three is one of my favorites. But like, I'm well aware that's not a seven, nine, ten, whatever, on some scale somewhere. An anthem didn't do super well. So I'm like, I don't know. He goes, not Apex. And I was like, man, it's absolutely Apex. I've played so much of that. I still consistently go to it. I love that game. But I didn't consider it at all for Game of the Year. And I think it's the free to play uh, like, label that comes with it.
0: I think part of it, too, is that the timing of its release, it kind of came out of nowhere. We had no real hype for it. It came and kind of surprised us. And, mm-hmm. um, and, so, and also, it's just the beginning of the year. Those, t- those games tend to be forgotten when we talk about Game of the Year. There's that weird sort of like hangover from, uh, from Christmas and the New Year. We sort of forget those January, February games. So it's not, not too surprising, man.
1: Absolutely. All righty, let's go with uh I think that actually is going to serve us today. I think that's a great little where place to wrap up on uh as far as listener questions. Thank you to all of you who wrote in uh and tweeted in at the Xbox Drive. We often do Q&As as well, so if we didn't get to your question on air a lot of times we'll go back and address it. You guys can follow us at the Xbox Drive on Twitter. Uh, and weigh in on our polls or just send us thoughts and you'll see a little pants icon next to a tweet if Mr. Sean Capri That's me. has responded. If you have a little ghost next to it, that is me, Luke Lore the insipid ghost. You can find me on Twitter at MLS Reserves or on Mixer at mixercom dot insipid ghost. Uh, Mr. Capri. You can find me on Twitter at Sean Capri,
0: uh, Sean like Connery, Capri like the pants. And on Tuesdays and Thursday nights, you can find me at twitch.tv slash Sean Capri. Like the night you're listening to this, you're going to be joining Mr. Chris Berto for some fundraising for his wife, as we mentioned before. So look forward to that. And if you guys want to keep gas in the tank, you can throw a dollar or so over at patreon.com slash you, me Capri, Mr. Luke lore. I am safely out of the storm. Everything is okay. Um, I didn't get hit by lightning on this episode. Maybe next time, though.
1: Oh, please no. Sam Ulf and I both would be very concerned if anything were to happen That'd to you. That'd be devastating. And I would, I would be, I would be very sad. And I don't know what Sam would do. Um, and so I, I'm very glad you're okay and getting home uh, on your way safely, Sean. I'm thank my- you for joining me on this this drive here, Luke. This was a good one.